Can you turn the pad down a little bit, hey? Thanks, buddy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. Amen. Spring has sprung. The new has begun. New life is giving birth outside. My goodness. Hmm. So I've got my Bible open to John 6, 28. God is good. Amen. Lord, thank you for making us aware of how good you truly are. More aware that we take our eyes off of ourselves and our situations and we remain and we remain in you and we keep our eyes totally focused on you and who we are in you. The shirt looks good, man. I'm going to get one of those. That's nice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sounds fancy. <laughs> Big and tall. Yeah. Hmm. Then they said to him, What shall we do to perform the works of God? All of us have probably had 28, 628. All of us have probably had that thought before. What do I have to do to please God? And this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus, the religious people of the day. Then they said to him, what shall we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, to trust in the one he sent. Some translations say to believe in the one he sent. Who did God send? Come on, church. Who did he send? Jesus. Jesus. Which therefore also sent us the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our comforter. Seems pretty easy to do the works. Just believe, trust, and receive. Do you ever feel like you just work and work and work for this payout that just never comes? Yeah. I've been working and working all my life, waiting to finally get this payout that I've been dreaming for forever and it just never comes. And I just keep working. I've felt that way. We've all been asleep. <laughs> We've all been asleep to the truth that will awake us from a deep slumber. But we have to own the truth that sets us free. And if we don't believe it and own it, we will never be free. Rise up, O sleeper, and awaken to this inheritance that your father has for you to walk in and live in and abide in no longer are we the sleepers we are the awakened the free in deeds the free in Christ 
I believe God is transforming us. He's transforming this body here. I mean, we've been seeing radical change throughout the last year, and we're being transformed through the renewing of our minds by knowing who we are and who he's created us to be. We've been seeing miraculous changes and the joy that's upon people's faces that when they first walked through the door didn't have the joy, but now they have this joy because they're growing and they're beginning to know. So then they're glowing from knowing. (laughs) And also they're growing from knowing, right? And then, man, it's amazing what God's doing in this house in us, in this house, in your guys' temple. We are the temple. Each and every one of us house the presence of the Lord. He's transforming us from what we thought was the world and the world perspective to the kingdom perspective and who we are in him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's doing it. And we're allowing him to do it. And we're taking steps of faith and watching him show up and do it more and more and more. Hmm. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. becoming so aware of what it means to be a new creation in Christ that we never look at ourselves again from a worldly perspective. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 23. No longer are we of this world, but we are new creations in Christ. Who would like to read that? Anybody? Lisa? Lisa? 18 through what? Uh, 23. 23. So why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. For what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. And as it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls become the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasonings of the wise and knows that it's all a sham. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually you already have everything. It has all been given for your benefit, whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter, the rock, or whether it's the world or life or death, or whether it's the present or the future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. Amen. <laughs> Every thing belongs to you, church. We no longer gnosko the world. Who knows what gnosko means? Tiff, what's it mean? Uh, to, to intimately know him. We no longer intimately know the world. We are intimately knowing our Lord. Gnosko, to know him. To know him. We don't just know of him, we are knowing his character and we are beginning to know who we are in him. Just like I know my son or my daughter or my wife, we know each other. I know what they like. I know their character and who they are. 
Gnosko is used like 230 times, something like that, throughout the New Testament as the word know. A lot of times we'll just read through that and we'll think it just means to know something. But then when we really break it down, we find out what it truly means. Intimately. Relationship. We have relationship with our Father. Come on, church. Amen. God is using you to change our city. He's using you to change your homes. Everywhere your foot tread is your ministry. You don't need to stand up here with the microphone. It's everywhere you go. Yeah. At Walmart, grocery store. God's changing our perspective for his kingdom. So his kingdom will reign here on earth as it is in heaven. There's no other answer. Our government can't do it. There's no other answer. Our finances can't do it. Our own works can't do it. He's our answer. He's our everything. We are the generation that's rising up. Our generation, our kids, we are the generation that's rising up to take our right standing. The generation of Christ Christians, or Christians, I like to say, that know who they are, that are going to begin to flow through the earth with Christ flowing through them into the earth. You know, when Peter would walk the earth, people would get healed just by his shadow. His shadow would just cast on him and they would receive healing because he was glowing from knowing who he was in Christ and who Christ had made him to be. He was so sure of it. He was so sure that he was on the solid foundation. He knew who he was. He didn't get tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. He knew that he knew that he was glowing from knowing the Father. Just like Moses' face was glowing from knowing that he had seen God. Peter knew that he was loved by his father and that he had every good thing coming from his father. For many years, we've been praying and believing for this moment in time. The whole church has throughout history. And it's here. Do you believe it? <laughs> Do you believe it? It is. So many have said I was crazy for believing the things that I believe. Throughout the last 12 years, I've, I've heard many times that I was crazy for believing the way I believe. But I'm more set free now than I ever have been in my entire life because I believe and I know who I am. There's so much freedom in knowing who you are and who he's created you to be. The thing is, is if you don't believe it, then don't worry about it because it won't happen to you. That's the truth. It's only for those who believe. How many of you believe he shed his blood for you? Yeah. 
Help me believe that it was all of his blood. He shed all of it for you. Come on, all of it. Your ears need to hear you say it. He shed all the blood for you. All of it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Silence belongs in the grave. We have to speak. He gave us a voice to speak and proclaim things into existence. And by speaking it, your ears have to hear you proclaim the truth of who you are. And then it begins to plant more seeds down inside of you and it uproots the weeds so good fruit grows and bears from, from the kingdom rather than from the world. Yeah, it does. And it does something in the spiritual realm, just like Lisa said. But if we believe that he shed all his blood for us, you know what that means? There's no more blood to be, no more blood to be shed for you. It's all been shed. All. All. Yeah. How many of you believe he's forgiven all sin? He's forgiven all sin. How many believe it? Say it. He's forgiven all sin. All sin. All of it. As far as the east is from the west. The west is from the east. Wow, I got it right too. That's the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> How many of you know when he said it was finished? He meant it's not quite done yet. <laughs> There's more work to be done. I got to help you some more. I got to heal you some more. I got to forgive you some more. I got to sacrifice some more. I mean, come on. How many of you believe when he said it's finished, it's finished? It's finished. Do you believe it? Do you believe it in your heart and in your mind? Have you been transformed to know that you believe it is finished? And he finished it on the cross for you. All his blood was shed. The sin is gone as far as the east is from the west. And you've been set free from your own stinking thinking. Do you know? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, do you oida or do you gnosko? Would you like to? No, oh, it sounds like it. Well... Considering I taught you this, yeah, yes, I shall teach this. Just let everybody know that I taught you. Look, oh, it's fine. You don't need to see me. Oida is actually so. No is the same word in scripture, um, or in the Hebrew language. Just like no is is a word for us. We know that we're going to heaven. We know. I know. Um, that we will have worship on Sundays. So no, that word no doesn't change in our English language. It doesn't mean something different. It's not the same as yes and no or no. You guys understand? So it sounds the same, but it's two different words. And he, don't sit down. And the Hebrew language, no means two different things. And it bridge? means, no, I do not. No means oida or Gnosko. And so when you're reading, if you were to be reading it in scripture, it would say which one it meant. And so if it, if it said, 
do you know her? What it's asking is, do you know of her? Have you heard of her? Have you read a story about her? Did you, you know, maybe study her? It's not relational. And, but if it said, did you gnosko her? It meant, have you, it even actually describes the word, um, don't get weird, don't get this distorted, but there's a lot of idioms in the Hebrew culture that it said that uh, Joseph didn't know Mary until they got married, meaning they didn't consummate their marriage, which because was because she was a virgin, right? So um, it's just this idiom to show you that he hadn't been with her, he didn't know her, and it's the same word as gnosko, so there's, it's two different words. Thanks, Tiff. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So I'm going to ask you to do something. First, if you do do this, it'll change your life forever. You're in? Okay. That's good. Because we're one. Okay. And Christ dwells. So Colossians 2.9. Sorry. The Word of God tells us that Christ dwells. The fullness of God, of the Godhead, <laughs> Colossians 2.9. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. The word bodily there means physical, corporately, or in a many-member body. We are the body of Christ. Okay. So Christ dwells in the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And his spirit's inside of us, right? Colossians 2.9. In him, all the fullness of the Godhead resides in the human body. He, appro- he proves that human life is basically like tailor-made. Human life has been tailor-made. <laughs> Wow. He perfectly made you so he could be you. Because Jesus exhibits the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in human form. And then their likeness. We went, uh, I don't know, some of you weren't here on Monday, but I talked a lot about likeness. And their likeness is displayed in human skin because he created us in, in his image and in his likeness. We were created in his likeness. So God was fully at home in Jesus and now he's fully at home in us. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him be reconciled all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And 10 says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Did you guys get that? You're complete. You're complete. You've been made complete in him. You're what? What are you? Complete. 
You've been made perfectly complete in him. God's completeness is perfect. Everything he does is perfect, right? Therefore, you are perfect. Is that a hard pill to swallow? Hmm. We must stop looking at the things of our, with our eyes in the natural realm of our flesh and begin to focus on the unseen realm of the spirit. For that's where our perfectness resides. He has made us perfectly complete in him. I think in Matthew it says something like, you've been made perfect, how's it go? It's like, you've been made perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. What is that verse? I don't know, I have to look it up. Sorry, I didn't look that one up. But he says it in Matthew, like Matthew 28. And then when he says it, he meant it. He meant that you've been made perfectly complete. I mean, he says it all throughout. He made a way where there was no way for you to become perfectly complete in him. It had to be. There's no other way. Because we couldn't have done it. He wasn't saying, I wish you were, or I hoped you would be. He said, you are. The world tells us that no one's perfect. I used to say it all the time, oh, nobody's perfect. I probably said it to my kids growing up, oh, nobody's perfect, you know? Silly. Matthew 548, it's the passion. Okay. So be we prepared to cry. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. There you go. Yeah, that's it. The world says nobody's perfect, but the truth says that we've been made perfect. But Jesus, Jesus, I was wrong. I was so wrong. I was. I was. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord, and making me more aware of who I truly am. And what you truly paid for with your blood. He said, be perfect. Not so you could work to be perfect. It means you are perfect. He saw his creation and he said it is good. <sighs> I don't think everybody's believing this. Does, does everybody believe in this? It's the word. All right, but I'm going to try another way. He is in you, okay? Are you sure he's in you? Do you believe his blood has been completely shed for you? Do you believe all your sins have been forgiven? So here's what you have to do. Here's what will change your life. It's hard for the human mind to receive this because everything will fight you. The world will fight you. The mindset of the world will fight you. There's a battle going on, right? <clears throat> we have to take a position that says, I am perfect. And I know that's tough, 
right? Because we want to sit here and judge ourselves and think about all these things, these flaws and junk that the world says, right? But we have to take a position of I am perfect because he says so and he is in me, okay? Okay? (laughs) Everything else inside of your life has to rise up to it, okay? That's where the freedom's at. Since he's in me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I am complete in him. He has finished the work. Therefore, I am perfect, and everything else in my life has to rise up to the perfection that he has completed for us. Here's the opposite choice. Because if you don't believe that, you're going to have to work on being perfect. Good luck. Good luck. You're going to have to work on being righteous. You're going to have to work on being complete. You're going to have to work. That means the work is not finished. But he said it's finished. (laughs) That means he's not done with you. That means the blood is not complete. That means when he said it is finished, he wasn't completely finished. But that's not true. That's not the truth. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yes. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Come on, church. Yes. Yes. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been made perfect, complete. I'm saved, healed, delivered, and set free because I am sozoed. I am saved in his kingdom. I've been made new, a new creation. All the old things have passed away and now all things are becoming new. Are you forgiven? Are you a new creation? Now if you're a sinner, you need to receive Jesus. If you're a sinner, you need to receive Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Is anyone in here in Christ? You are a new creation. Do you believe that? Okay. Hayden, do you have that picture? Does anybody in here know what a plumb line is or a plumb bob? The construction guys mostly do, probably. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. I, was, I meant to grab one, but I forgot to. So basically, see that string? And then it's got a weight on the bottom. That's the plumb line, okay? So the string and the weight is the, is the tool. It's the plumb line. It's the plumb bob, okay? And then you see the stone wall. Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. He's the firm foundation. The foundation is what's underneath that stone wall. Okay, the cornerstone is that bottom left stone. Okay, his stone has been placed first to the plumb line. Christ is the plumb line. He is the plumb line of our lives. Everything is measured off of that plumb line. Good, I'm glad you asked. What does the plumb line do, Lisa says? A plumb line ensures a structure is centered. It always finds the vertical axis, 
that's pointing to the center of gravity. They ensure everything is right, justified, true, and centered. It's the beginning point. It's the beginning. Everything's measured off of it. Everything's measured up to the plumb line. It's where we start. What'd you say? Yeah, the standard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Our plumb line is Christ. Everything is measured by Christ. Therefore, we are perfect. And everything that is not right in my life or in your life has to line up to the, my perfection that has been found in him. There's no excuses, just solutions, because he's the solution. And whenever we come up, start coming up with excuses, our eyes are not focused on the Father. We've taken our eyes off of Christ. The strength of my perfection is in him, is in Christ. It's stronger than any weakness. That means all my weakness has to submit to my perfection of being in him. You guys all right? It's good stuff. It's good stuff. This is stuff that miracle grows our roots and just lets us grow and bear fruits. I should have wrote poems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Like, I grew up on 721 West Mason Street. And so I'd always rhyme my name with Mason growing up as a kid. And then I became a, a Mason. And then I became Jason the Mason. That was one of our first company names, was Jason the Mason's Mason, custom masonry design. Yeah. But I never knew what a Mason was until I was 18 or 19 years old. And I grew up on the street. It's pretty neat how God works. Yeah. Okay. What's more powerful, truth or fact? Truth. No, it's not. What sets you free, truth or fact? Truth. You don't sound like you really believe that, Tiff. <laughs> you don't sound like you really, like, truth or fact? I know. Okay. The fact is, we all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's a fact. Right? The truth is, we're all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The fact, before Christ, we were all destined for hell. The truth is we've all been adopted into sonship, into God's kingdom. The fact is, we might feel sad, the truth is, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which is inside of us. That's the perfection. What's that? 
The fact is, we're weak. The truth is, we're perfect. The fact is, we fall short sometimes. The truth is, is I'm Christ's perfection. He's perfected me. fact is sometimes I fail sometimes I fail a lot you know in the world's eyes but the truth is I've been set free I've been set free from failure because he doesn't even see failure in me he sees me as righteous holy complete as his son as a joint heir fact is that sometimes I might sin I might feel sick but the truth is I've been saved healed delivered and set free we've been sozoed that's the word for salvation is sozo and in that word means saved healed delivered and set free and preserved I am the righteousness of God and I lack nothing he came to give us life and life more abundantly that's the truth that's the perspective that our minds are shifting towards for when it looks like we don't have what we need we go ahead and thank him for what it is that we have and what is coming we look into the unseen things that are coming and we go ahead and thank him for the unseen before we even see it that is faith No longer do we look at what's around us and what's going on, the turmoil. We look at him in the unseen and thank him for what's coming, for the solution. We thank him for the solution. What is the solution for the problem or situation that you find yourself in? So where do we put our trust? In facts or the truth? That's right. What sets me free? To know the facts or the truth? The truth. We shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. <laughs> Did you guys hear what she said? She said, Jesus famously said, I am the way, the fact, and the life. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not. It's, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. If we're going to put all our efforts and thought patterns into facts about you and what's wrong with you, then that means you don't really believe the work of the finished work of Christ. You're not really believing what's been done for you. And that's probably a hard one to swallow. But it's the truth. And I love you guys, and that's why I'm up here sharing this stuff. Because I'm excited for us all to be set free. And grow together. And none of us is any greater than anybody else. We're all in here growing together. And learning who we are. 
together as one creation in oneness with our Father. I can prove it. Does anyone in here believe Jesus is the last Adam? Does everybody know what that means? I'll just read the scripture. He is the last Adam. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I was going to read Amos about the plumb bob. That's all right. We'll keep going. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 48. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven, as was the earthly man. So are those who are of the earth and as in the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. It's recorded in scripture how the first Adam became a living soul and the last Adam is a life radiating spirit. No wonder, oh yeah, that's where I got that. No wonder that, that Peter's shadow healed people. Jesus is the last Adam. Human life is not defined by Adam, but defined in Christ. Physically, physical life is the platform for spiritual life. Human life was reduced to slavery, and the soul ruled earthly... Oh, the la, 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 la. That was crazy. Start speaking in tongues. <laughs> Human life was reduced to slavery and the soul ruled the earthly realm through Adam's fall. But it is now awakened to lordship in the heavenly realm of spiritual realities through the knowledge of our co-resurrection with Christ. Theologically, we created the idea of mankind being of a sinful nature throughout all history. as if we were flawed by design. But do you, I mean, God knows what he's doing. In fact, it is a distorted mindset that we inherited from Adam. And then Jesus had to free us from that. Your indifferent mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors sponsored by the law of sin and death that lodged in your bodies, hosting a foreign influence, foreign to your true design. Just like a virus that would attach itself to a person. See Colossians 1.21. There's nothing wrong with our design or salvation. We were thinking wrong. The reduced state of the individual left its mark on mankind and is being earthly. Now the redeemed state of mankind confirms their origin in God and marks their new heavenly life. He is the last Adam. He ended the failed race. 
That means that all that pertains to the fall of Adam was ended through Christ. He ended all of the first Adam's failures, conditions, miseries. He ended it. He ended it. The problem is people choose to live by memory. People live by their past. People live by facts. Not by the truth. The truth is we're free. The truth is we've been made righteous. We've been made holy. We have oneness with Christ. We are one in him and he is in us. For years, people have said, Jesus is coming back. This year or this month. I don't believe it. You know why? Can I tell you why? Because he will come when there's a glorious, perfect church without spot or wrinkle. How do we get there? By knowing the truth. The truth will set you free. Your true calling, your true identity. This is where we're heading. This is where the church, the body of Christ is heading as one. No more, gone are the days of denominations and divisions. Here are the days of the oneness with God in one body, one mind. God is raising up a perfect people that know that they know who they are, that are glowing from knowing who they are. I know it's hard to believe because for so long we've, we've been believing the opposite and we've been waiting for something to happen. We've been waiting for this revival to break out or this uh, rapture to happen, you know? But we've been brainwashed. Sorry. I was brainwashed a lot as a kid in the church I grew up in. I've had to unlearn a lot of stuff. But also praise God because that allowed me to get into the word and seek out all this truth. It sets you free. We are done in him. We are complete in him. We are righteous. We are holy. No longer are we waiting for a future event. We are the future event. Everyone is waiting for God to do something. Everyone's waiting for a revival. God is waiting on a people that are the revival, that are the event, because there is a tactic of the enemy that puts people in waiting mode for a future thing. I spoke on this at the revival. As they wander around with a mindset of failures and I'm not good enough attitude. I'm sorry, I should have did that, but that's, it's okay. Gone are the days of making predictions. New Year's resolutions. You know, something I recently learned is in the Bible it says shall be a lot. You know, shall be, this shall be. The word shall be is not in the original text. It's not in the Hebrew. Kind of changes things a little bit, doesn't it? So, I mean, almost like the enemy added the word shall be into the Bible, so then we would always be looking for a future date for something to come in the future. 
Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it will be. Or it is. Rather than it shall be. I highly encourage you to seek out all the scriptures that have to do with that. It's not in the original language. People fall into a trance of waiting for something to come. But when you see things from the perspective of the kingdom, you stop looking at what is coming and you begin to look at what is done. The finished work. When you align yourself with what is done, you stop waiting for God to do something and then you become someone. You become a son in this kingdom. I'm not waiting for the work to be finished. I'm not waiting for you to make me better. I'm not receiving. I'm receiving what you have done. We are receiving the finished work. We are receiving what is done. It's never been up to us. It's not by our works, not by our efforts. It is by his grace that we are saved, healed, delivered, and set free. It's his blood, his cross, his resurrection, his victory. So, Father, I just simply believe it. I just simply believe the finished work that you have freely provided for us. You went bankrupt. You gave your life so that we could freely receive the finished work and walk, therefore, in it. Lord, I thank you for a people that can believe it. I thank you that we are those people. I thank you for this body of believers that believe it. There's nothing more we need you to do. You've already done it all. I'm here to ask you, what can I do for you, Lord? As you are, so are we in this world. We can't do it by ourselves. So are we as body. As he is, so are we in this world. And so are we as body. I thank you that your body is assembling right here in this town, Lord. Right here in Holden, Missouri. That this is just one of the many functions of the body that is coming together and knowing that they know who they are. Let your body assemble now. Do you agree that we are in such a time as this? Do you believe it? Thank you for raising up a people like the world has never seen, Lord. Thank you for raising up a kingdom-minded generation full of worshiping warriors. Let the sons of God arise as we take our right standing, our right mindset, and we know that we know who we are. To live is Christ and to die is gain. To die to yourself is gain. We lose the world, but we gain the kingdom. Here are the days of God's kingdom. 
being made manifest through you. <laughs> no longer is the church pointing to a pastor on a pulpit, but it's the fivefold, the pastor equipping, sending. You got the fivefold. You got pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, apostle that are equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. So we can all come together in the unity of faith. Ephesians 4 is where it talks about this. And after, can somebody pull up here? Let's find Ephesians 4. Somebody pull up Ephesians 4 for me, please. It's like 13 through 16. Does everybody have it? All right, so we're start at 13. Well, let's actually, let's go back up. Yeah, we'll start at, yeah, 11's good too. It's like, where do we go? It's all good. His word's so good, so true. Okay, so he ascended means that he returned to heaven. I'm starting at, well, that's nine. Let's go to 11. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. I've got to tra- change translations. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's what we're here learning, is how to become a mature man in Christ. Until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge, that's what, who he's made us to be. This is that knowledge that I'm talking about. The knowledge of the Son of God. This is what we're learning, is how to be who he's created us to be. Which then turns us into a mature man. No longer are we eating milk, but we begin to eat meat. To the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness, deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we become more aware of love. 
love. thing than love. The purpose of the gifts is to present everyone in oneness. The oneness of faith. Believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning us. It's like we're standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. To bring everyone into the realization of the fullness of the measure of Christ in them. As a result, we no longer are to be children tossed here and there like waves of the sea. No longer. We know that we know who we are. Yeah, well, we stop listening to other people's doctrines. That's what it says. It says... uh, and be carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. We get in here and we learn who we are. We see ourselves in here like looking into a mirror. This is a mirror. It resembles who you are and who you've been created to be. This is it. We ourselves know that we know. We sharpen each other like iron sharpens iron. We come together. We learn from each other. But we get in here. We always bring it back to Jesus because Jesus is the... Plum Bob, right? He's our plumb line. He's our starting point. He's he's our uh, our spectacles, our glasses that we put on. We see everything through the eyes of Jesus, through His love, through His finished work, throughout the entire Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. He's in it everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. It is. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all for Him and through Him that we live and move and have our being on this earth. It's a beautiful love story that he's created for his bride, for this wedding date that's coming, that we're all about to be married and caught up into the wind and to the heavens with him. <laughs> it's what a glorious moment it's going to be. We are the glory of God, the word says. He's made us to be the glory. You're the glory. He's the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The next level comes from a deeper knowledge of him. But you already have it. You just got to be more aware of it. More aware of the deeper knowledge. It's time to be kingdom activated. It is. He's activating his kingdom. The walls of religion, division are being torn down. The, the sons of God are waking up to their right standing in the eyes of their father. When you're walking in kingdom territory with a kingdom mindset, nothing can stop you. And the fact is, is you just walk, it's just like Jesus. They were trying to cast him off a cliff. But he knew who he was. He was walking in kingdom authority. There was a whole multitude of people trying to push him off a cliff and just trying to chastise him. Instead, he just walked right through him because he knew who he was and he knew it wasn't his time. 
everywhere your foot treads. The Bible says so. This I know. Sounds like a song. Now the power of purpose is inside of you. Now you know this. Now you can't let it be silent. <laughs> Your spirit inside of you is so excited. Does anybody feel it in their spirit? Like, do you feel like your spirit's waking up to a trueness? Like, do you feel it inside? You know, when I first started learning about the truth and who he says I was, I would literally wake up and fly to church every Sunday morning and to be fed more. But when I was being fed, I literally could feel inside my spirit it eating. And I'd never experienced that in my entire life up until I was 32 years old. And it literally felt like it was eating the bread of life. One of the most amazing times I ever had. Just keeps getting better and better. Feed me, Lord. Feed me. Spring is sprung. Our spirits are springing forth. Awaken, church. The time is now. The harvest is ripe. There's so many people out there that long to know their true identity, even though they don't even know their, what it is. I find it all the time. I'll just be sitting here talking to somebody in the coffee shop and I begin to pour into them. And, it's, and there's just these encounters that happen. And I highly encourage you just to begin to share with people that you meet who they are in Christ because there is a dying world out there that needs to hear it. forth a kingdom awakening for such a time as this. Let your light shine, church. When all our lights are brought together, it creates a bonfire that the whole world will see. It's going to be brighter than any darkness. It always is. Our light's brighter than any darkness. so good. That's right. Light expels darkness. <laughs> mm. How does everybody feel? Hungry? Hungry for the Lord? not about feelings. It's about knowing. Yeah, it is. 
Emotions, it's not about emotions, yeah. All right, Lord, we love you. We're thankful for you. Thank you for what you're doing inside of us. Thank you for revealing the truth to us and who you've created us to be. Thank you for more of you, more of an awareness of who you are and who we are. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us. Thank you for breathing upon our lives, Lord. Fan the flames. Fan our flames, Lord. Fan us with your breath of life. And we will be life-giving spirits to proceed and give life to others that are lacking. And we will begin to speak the truth that you've so graciously showed us and revealed to us into the lives of people that we come into contact with. To help fan the flames of your kingdom, Lord. Bringing forth your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. For there is no greater time than this time. This moment. From moment to moment, Lord, we get to bask in your presence. To walk hand in hand with you. Thank you, Lord, for making us more conscious of who you are. And when you're speaking. For I believe you're always speaking. So take our earmuffs off. So we begin to listen more clearly to who you are and what you're saying. We thank you, Father, for this amazing life that you've given us to live in abundance with you. This amazing journey, this amazing adventure. Although the world might say it's going on crazy and the world's crazy in chaos, for that has no effect on us. For we are your children in your kingdom. The world does not justify what happens in the kingdom. For you do. We are ambassadors for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this house, in this temple. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.